Chapter Fourteen of the Albert Gate Mystery by Lewis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Fourteen. Tout va bien. Brett now deemed it advisable to take the commissary of police fully into his confidence. The official promptly suggested that every personage in Paris connected even remotely with the mystery. Grand Jean, the Turks, the waiter at the Café Noir, and even the little thief Le Vert should be arrested and subjected to a process verbal. But Brett would not hear of this proceeding. He quite firmly reminded the commissary that the wishes of the British government must be respected in this matter, and the proposed wholesale arrests of persons some of whom were in no way cognizant of the crime would assuredly lead to publicity and the appearance of sensational statements in the press but monsieur cried the frenchman something must be done even you i presume intend to lay hands on the principal men while they are wandering about the country each hour makes it easier for them to secrete the diamonds so effectually that no matter what may be the result the sultan will never recover his property calm yourself i beg said the barrister with difficulty compelling himself to reason with this excitable policeman you speak as though we had in our hands every jot of evidence to secure the conviction of dubois and his associates before a judge but is it not so screamed the other no it is very far from being so let us look at the facts in the first place the turks will not speak they are political fanatics the moment a policeman arrests them they become dumb torture would bring nothing from them but lies then we have the two people who acted as mr talbot's gaolers what charge can we prefer against them merely one of illegal detention whilst they would probably defend themselves by saying that talbot was represented to them as a lunatic whose restraint was necessary for family reasons then we come to dubois himself and the fair mademoiselle beaucaire in the first place you may be certain that they have provided a strong alibi to prove that they were in paris on the days when we are certain they were in london who can identify either of them the lady we rule out of court at once the only persons who saw her were mr talbot and captain gautier the latter of whom has already placed on record the statement that he would not recognize her again talbot's evidence is stronger but i would not like to hear him subjected to the merciless cross-examination of an able counsel as for dubois there are two inspectors of police and a dozen intelligent metropolitan constables who would be forced to swear that he was not the man who entered albert gate on the night of the murder in company with the other turks i tell you candidly monsieur that in my opinion the case would not only break down very badly but mr talbot would leave the court under grave suspicion whilst i would be regarded by the public as a meddlesome idiot then what are we to do said the commissary piteously throwing out his hands and shrugging his shoulders with the eloquent french gesture that betokens utter bewilderment difficult though it may be we must first accomplish the main part of our work 
in other words we must secure the diamonds before we colour the murderers the frenchman was silent for a moment at last he said submissively in what way can i help by procuring for me from the chief of your department an authorization to call in the aid of the police when and where i may desire their assistance this of course will render necessary on his part some inquiry before i am entrusted with such an important document the british embassy in paris and your own foreign office will quickly supply you with the reasons why this power should be given to me but what of the house of the rue bonbonnerie you anticipated my next request whilst you are looking to that letter you must place at my disposal two of your most trusty agents in their company lord fairholme and i purpose visiting the house to-night they were conversing in the commissary's office at a late hour after brett had quitted his friend in the grand hotel within a few minutes the two englishmen and their french companions were standing outside number forty one rue bonbonniere and they found that monsieur de lille kept a small shop whose only significant feature was a placard announcing that letters might be addressed there oh said brett when he noticed this legend this is simple we need not waste much time here the four men walked inside crowding the narrow space before a diminutive counter the proprietor was supping in style as they could perceive through the glass top of the door which communicated with the sitting-room at the back his feast consisted of a tankard of thin wine half a loaf of black bread and two herrings the man was surprised by the sudden incursion of customers he came out looking puzzled and alarmed have you any letters here for monsieur jean beaujolais said brett no monsieur have you received any letter for a person of that name no monsieur i suppose you have never heard the name of jean beaujolais before in your life i think not monsieur then exclaimed brett turning quietly away i fear you must be arrested these two gentlemen and he nodded towards the detectives will take you to the prefecture where perhaps your memory may improve the man blanched visibly his teeth chattered and his hands shook as if with ache whilst he nervously arranged some small objects on the corner i cry your pardon monsieur he stammered but you will understand that i receive letters at my shop for a small fee and i cannot remember the names of all my customers i will search with pleasure among those now in my possession to see if there are any for monsieur beaujolais you are simply incriminating yourself said brett sternly if your excuse were a genuine one you would first have looked among your letters before answering so glibly that the name of beaujolais was unfamiliar i beg of you to listen cried the dismayed shopkeeper i had no idea you were from the prefecture otherwise i would have answered you in the first instance there have been letters here for monsieur beaujolais they came from london he called for them three or four times the last letter arrived yesterday morning it is here now 
I have not seen Monsieur Beaujolais since the previous evening. He took from a drawer a packet of letters tied together with a string, and the handwriting betrayed the contents of most of them. They evidently dealt with that species of the tender passion which finds its outlet in the agony column or in fictitious addresses. One of the detectives did not trust to Monsieur de Lille's examination. He seized the bundle and went through its contents carefully, but this time Monsieur de Lille was speaking the truth. There was only one letter addressed to Beaujolais, and it bore a foreign postmark. Brett tore it open. It contained a single sheet of notepaper, without a date or address, or any words save these, scrawled across the centre. Tout va bien. He placed the document and its envelope in his pocket-book, and then fixed his keen glance on the shopkeeper's pallid face. What sort of a person is Monsieur Beaujolais? The man was still so nervous that he could hardly speak. I am not good at descriptions, he began. So Brett helped. Was he a Frenchman about my height, elegant in appearance, well-built, with long thin hands and straight tapering fingers, with very fair skin and high colour, dark hair and large eyes set deeply beneath well-marked eyebrows? "'That is he to the life!' cried the shopkeeper. "'Monsieur must know him well. I recall him now exactly, but I could not for a hundred francs have described him so accurately.' "'How long have you known him?' broke in Brett. "'Let me think,' mused the man, who had now somewhat recovered from his alarm. "'He came here one day last week. I think it was Thursday, because that day my daughter Marie—no matter what Marie did, I remember the date quite well now. He came in and asked me if I did not receive letters for a fee. I said yes.' and told him that i charged ten centimes per letter he gave me his name and thereafter called regularly to obtain the enclosure from london he always handed me half a franc and would never take any change was he alone invariably monsieur thank you you will not be arrested to-night i think you have told the truth the shopkeeper's protestations that he had given every assistance in his power followed them into the street brett dismissed the two detectives and turned to the hotel where he and fairholme found edith and her brother sitting up for them when talbot heard the contents of the letter he remarked i suppose that all goes well means that i am still a prisoner undoubtedly said the barrister the letter was posted in the haymarket it came from your french host i wonder what he will write now by the way where is he did you lose sight of the couple after your escape i did laughed talbot but inspector winter did not by some mysterious means he learnt all about fairholme's action in smashing in the door whilst i was at the foreign office that night he arrested both the man and the woman winter is in a perfect terror said brett he dreams of handcuffs and penal servitude i hope this couple will not be brought to trial or at any rate that your name will not be mixed up in it oh no 
as soon as i heard the under-secretary's wishes i promptly communicated with scotland yard the frenchman and his wife will be remanded on a mysterious charge of abetting a felony and held in durance vile until their testimony is wanted should we ever capture dubois at brett's request detectives were hunting through paris all that night and the next day for a sign of hussein ul-mulk and his turkish friends but these gentlemen had vanished as completely as if the earth had swallowed them up this was a strange thing although paris is a cosmopolitan city a party of turks only one of whom could speak french should be discovered with tolerable rapidity in view of the fact that the french police maintained such a watch over the inhabitants it was not until brett and his four companions quitted the train at marseilles late at night and the barrister received a telegram from the commissary announcing that the search made by the police had yielded no results that he suddenly recalled the existence of a doorless and windowless room in the cafe noir curiously enough he had omitted to make any mention of this strange apartment in his recital to the official he would not trust to the discretion of the telegraph department so on reaching the hotel du louvre et de la paix he succeeded after some difficulty in ringing up the commissary on the long-distance telephone having acquainted the police officer with the exact position of the hidden apartment he ended by saying continue inquiries throughout paris during the whole of to-morrow do not visit the cabaret noir for the purpose of police inspection until a late hour long after midnight when the cafe is empty and the boulevard comparatively deserted it is only a mere guess on my part the turks may not be there if they are they should be set at liberty and not questioned tell them they owe their escape to me if you do not find them you may make other discoveries of general interest to the police but above all things i do not wish you to interfere with grosjean or his house until the next twenty-four hours have elapsed the commissary assured him that his desires would be respected and soon afterwards brett went upstairs with the full determination to secure a long and uninterrupted night's sleep of which he stood much in need he had reached the sitting-room reserved for the use of the party when talbot and lord fairholme burst in excitedly we have seen her gasped the earl seen whom demanded the barrister mademoiselle beaucaire cried talbot the woman who accompanied dubois in his flight from london i recognized her instantly i could pick her out among a million as the same person who so coolly made up dubois to represent me whilst i was lying tied on the bed in that flat in their eagerness the two men had forgotten to close the door brett ran to it and looked out into the passage to learn if their words had perchance been overheard no one was in sight he closed the door behind him when he re-entered the room and said quietly how did you happen to meet her whilst you were wrestling with the telephone said fairholme edith and jack and i went to the door of the hotel to have a look at the people passing in the cambiere none of us have ever been in marseilles before you know we were gazing at the crowd when suddenly jack gripped my arm and said 
there she is look at that woman quick he pointed to a tall well-dressed female wrapped up in a fur cloak and wearing a large feather hat luckily her veil was up and the electric light fell fully on her as she passed she was undoubtedly la belle chasseuse and i bet you anything you like she has just come away from the music-hall where she is performing did she see you demanded brett excitedly not a bit she was gazing at the passing tramcars and evidently on the lookout for some particular line what happened next demanded the barrister where is miss talbot edith has gone after her said fairholme what cried brett more startled than he cared to own yes broke in talbot eagerly she heard my words and instantly decided to follow her she said that the woman knew both of us and might easily detect us but she edith was unknown to her and would never be suspected she simply forced us to come and tell you and then darted off like a greyhound before we could stop her brett forced himself to say calmly i always knew that miss talbot had brains but i still wish she had not taken this risk nevertheless your chance discovery and her prompt action may be invaluable to us but what must we do exclaimed the impetuous fairholme we cannot allow edith to go wandering around marseilles by herself at this hour of the night i have always heard that this town is a perfectly damnable place what a fool i was not to follow her at once miss talbot has acted quite rightly said brett decisively we must simply remain here until she returns there is not the slightest ground for alarm a woman who could act with such ready judgment is well able to take care of herself unless i am much mistaken we shall see her within the hour it was well for the peace of mind of the younger men that sir hubert fitzjames had gone to his room soon after the party reached the hotel had the irascible baronet known of his niece's mission no power on earth could have restrained him from setting every policeman in marseilles on her track forthwith and so they kept their vigil striving to talk unconcernedly but watching the clock with feverish impatience until edith should return End of chapter fourteen